Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations with Kaylee. My name is Kaylee Kukwa, and I've spent the last decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my book knowledge and combining it with real life experiences to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations that always include practical tips so you can walk away feeling inspired and empowered to make simple yet impactful changes in your family's life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another Core Parenting Conversation. Today, I want to tackle a topic that keeps appearing on my social media feed, and that is permissive parenting versus gentle or responsive, intentional, conscious parenting, whatever you want to call it. I've seen a lot of videos lately that really portray gentle parenting as a parent asking a child to do something over and over and over again. I saw one by one of my favorite comedy mom creators that showed a mom on an airplane with her child and the child was repeatedly kicking the seat and being really loud on an airplane. And the mom asked the child over and over and over again, please stop kicking. Please stop kicking. I said, stop kicking. I know you're bored. I know you're angry, but please stop kicking. And then she proceeded to like justify his behavior by explaining his feelings and developmental stages to the clearly annoyed nearby passengers. Now, I bet most of us can relate to feeling trapped somewhere with a screaming child and not being able to do much about it. But that wasn't the point of this video. The point of this video was to poke fun at gentle parents for having no ability to set limits with their children and their children are wild and untamed and don't have any manners. Let me be clear that gentle parenting is not limit-free parenting. In fact, in gentle parenting, we do a ton of boundary work, a ton of it. And I remember actually, because gentle parenting was actually what helped me develop a boundary practice because I practiced it so much with my children, I got better and better and more confident doing it with my peers and the adults and extended family in my life. So this was around the age when my son, my eldest, was three or four years old. And a relative called me a strict parent. And at first, I was a little taken aback by this statement because the connotation of strict to me tends to be unyielding and rigid and controlling. But I spent some time reflecting on her very neutral, it was not a judgment at all, but very neutral observation for a bit. And found that she was referring to the structured support and consistency I offered my child, how I followed through, how active I was when a limit needed to be facilitated. I don't operate with threats, empty or otherwise. I don't ask for compliance over and over and over again. And if I notice my toddler at the time, toddler and early preschooler, was really struggling with the situation outside of his abilities, I stepped in and did for him what he really couldn't do for himself, which was maybe say, okay, it's time to go, or we need a break, or it's too late, it's past bedtime, we need to go before bedtime, all of those type of things that you do with toddlers who are (laughs) overwhelmed and 
overstimulated and overtired, all the overs, right? (laughs) So around my fourth year of parenting, around this time, I started to gain more and more confidence in myself. That confidence shown through in my assertiveness, not just with my children, but with adults in my life, which is a result of having and knowing clear and kind boundaries. So with gentle parenting, typically the question I get is, okay, but how do I get my kid to listen? When I give them the direction and they don't, how do I follow through without a threat or without a bribe? Parents feel utterly powerless when their children exercise their will, which is so often in direct opposition with the parent's will. And let me just be clear, the answer doesn't start once the limit is given. At that point, if you've already set a limit and you don't really have a plan for limit execution, you've probably already backed yourself up into a corner. And then we are going to get a little desperate and we're probably going to reach for tools that we would rather not use, like a threat or like a bribe. So we do this work before we even set the limit. Conscious parents are intentional with their boundary setting before they even assert one with their child, whereas a passive parent may set a limit and then not follow through because they don't know how or they've set a limit that they really can't hold. This can often result in a dramatic shift from passive to aggressive or authoritarian parenting where we get so sick of repeating ourselves and being ignored, we explode and dole out a dramatic punishment. It might sound like this. This might sound familiar. Come on, it's time to go. Okay, two more minutes. Okay, now it's time to go. No, it's really time to go. Come on. I know you don't want to go. Let's go. It's time to go. I said, let's go. I said, let. it is time to go. If you don't come over here right now, we are leaving the park and never coming back. And what just happened? I started off super sweet, super passive. I kept repeating myself. I wasn't building any confident momentum. My actions, words, and tone weren't in alignment. And then I finally got more escalated, more escalated, stronger voice, bigger threat. And then all of a sudden it was like, whoa, she's really serious. But at that point, I had become so dysregulated and reactive. I had now made a threat that I have no intention of keeping. Of course, we'll come back to the park eventually one day. Okay, so today I want to spend some time talking about how do we avoid that scenario. Um, And I just want to say this is going to be a brief overview. I'm going to give you a really practical, tangible strategy. And I'm not making up these terms, authoritarian, permissive parenting. They come from decades worth of studies on parenting. Diana Bomrand usually gets the most credit for it. It's been added to since her original model. She had the model that evolved from other different scientific studies, uh, psychological studies and theories. So this is not new science. It's not new parenting. Gentle parenting falls into the authoritative category, which was added to the model in the 80s, I believe. So you can go ahead and Google that if you want to work look more into that, but that is not what we're going to focus on today. Today, I really wanted to show like, hey, here's how one tool to set limits with children that is respectful, is conscious, and is responsive 
and really show that, look, gentle parenting is not synonymous with permissive parenting. And permissive parenting is really confusing and not helpful for children. And the research, if you decide to Google different styles of parenting, on Google Scholar, there's a ton on there. It will show that. So let's dive in. Because now, by this point, I expect you're saying, okay, that sounds great, but how do you do this? How do you set a limit and do the other way less? Because I don't want to do that way. I want to do the other way, but I don't know how. (laughs) And I start by explaining the proactive work. Like with any boundary practice, we must do a great deal of internal work before we even set boundaries with other people. If you are a core member, you know this is a reoccurring theme I talk about on a weekly basis. Every week, I give core members two commitments they can choose from, or they can do both. I call one an internal commitment for ourselves, and one an external commitment, one with our children. And I tell people, I'm like, look, when you read these commitments, check in with yourself and figure out what would be most beneficial to the relationship this week. Sometimes it starts with us. Sometimes it starts with the internal work we need to do. And then if we're aligned with the internal work and we really want to work on the dynamics with our child, then we can reach out and do that external work. So the same holds true with the boundary practice. We've got to do this internal reflection and internal work before we can turn and assert a boundary with anybody, including our children. So the proactive work is so deep and so vast in my limit setting guide, which is the handbook available in the core membership. Out of the three sections in the guide, which is pre limit setting, execution, and then responsive limit setting. This pre-work section accounts for over half of the workbook, even though it's a third of the process. This proactive work allows us to be super intentional with our priorities, which gives us clarity. And that clarity allows us to facilitate the limit in a confident and compassionate manner. For this episode today, I've decided to share an acronym directly from the Limit Setting Guide because I think it's super actionable and tangible for parents, but it's not a gimmick and it's not a trick. So it's one step of many, many that we orchestrate to build healthy and open communication within the context of a relationship. And this step is for internal reflection. So before we even open our mouth to our child, we've got to go through a quick little check-in, and that's what this is. We must turn inward before we can reach outwards. In other words, we must do a check-in with ourselves before we check in with our children. The reason for this being, in order to be a confident leader, we must know where we're leading somebody. (laughs) Think about it. A pilot has got to know where he's flying the plane, right? If you've ever done like a walking tour, (laughs) you've got to know where you're walking to. If you're on a bus, right? The bus driver's got to know where they're driving you. We've got to know what is the end goal here before we even try to initiate anything with our children. But so often because of the relentless 
constant and high demand nature of parenting, we go into an autopilot mode and don't even think about what we're doing because we're just reacting to the moment. And I get this and I wind up there myself. So there's nothing wrong. You're not broken. It's totally normal because that's just the intensity and the pace of so many parenting moments, especially hey, when we're tired or stressed, which I don't know is a lot of days of parenthood. So being reactive is totally expected. Let's just normalize it. And it's okay to wind up in this place. And we also <laughs> must take responsibility that we're the ones that need to shift the intention back to or bring intention back to the interaction if we want something to change. It's not our children who are going to do that. It's us. I'm pausing this core parenting conversation to tell you about a new resource coming in March. It's a new workshop I've created called Raising Resilient Problem Solvers. This workshop is helpful for parents of children who are quickly overwhelmed by conflict and may become explosive when things don't go their way. We'll also cover how to handle peer conflict, including sibling conflict, in ways that teach eventual independent problem-solving skills. Parents will gain simple, practical action steps to pre-teach skills and learn how to respond in the moment, along with concrete tools, scripts, books, and more to use in your home daily. To join us for this workshop on March 15th, you can find more details and the registration link in the show notes. All core community members are automatically enrolled. And if you can't join us live, no worries. All registered participants and core members will receive the recording within 48 hours of the live event. Now back to this core parenting conversation. So if we want to change these interactions with our children, or if we want our children to respond to us in a different way, we must become more responsive ourselves, moving from a place of reactivity to intentionality. This requires a pause and some thought. This intentionality requires a pause and some thought. So if you want to go and explore the idea of the pause, you can check out episode 35, Back to the Basics, The Foundation of Conscious Parenting, and find tons of regulation supports within the core community, including workshops, charts, and daily practices we can implement for ourselves and our children. Okay, so now back to the acronym to help us figure out where we're leading our children so we can be confident and compassionate leaders. And I like to call it the see me check-in. See me, like S-E-E, me, (laughs) M-E. Each letter stands for a question we ask ourselves, but the words see me is a very intentional choice because it's a reminder to see ourselves, the little one inside all of us with the valid need, and to see the actual child in front of us. We must acknowledge both, both of us, when we're navigating limits and boundaries. Our goal isn't to overpower our child to get what we want, but it's to honor both people. The SNC stands for safety. If safety is an immediate concern, 
then that takes number one priority over everything and requires immediate intervention from us. If it's that much of a concern, we cannot expect verbal cues to be enough. We must take action because it's our job to keep our child safe. This is the reason we install outlet covers and put gates at the top of stairs, keep sharp objects out of reach, because we cannot expect young children, even five, six, seven-year-olds, we cannot expect their impulse control and language processing to react quickly enough in high-stress situations to keep them safe. We must take action. So if you answer yes to the question, is safety a concern, you stop the inventory, you stop whatever you're doing, and you take immediate action. A dramatic example of this could be when a child is about to run out in the middle of the road. I'm obviously not going to stand there yelling at my child to get out of the road or spend time validating and giving them a choice. No, I'm going to run towards them and pick them up and move them. A more probable example would be if a child is hitting a sibling or perhaps they're getting close to the edge of something. Like, why are you always going to sit on the edge of the couch, kid? Why? (laughs) We take action to keep their physical body safe. Okay, so that's the S. Now, the first E stands for expectations. This question is, are my expectations reasonable? I like to answer this for myself and my child. Are my expectations for myself reasonable? Such as, is it reasonable that I get everything done on my list and help my child meet expectations and still be on time for something? Or is it reasonable to expect myself to do two things at once or be in two places at once? Now, when I'm in a rational, calm mind space, the obvious answer is no, of course not. But when I'm in the heat of the moment and everything feels urgent, I subconsciously am trying to do everything, be everything, and be everywhere. Then I get upset because I get reactive and I inevitably fail. I can't do those things. So I remind myself, I'm human. I can only do one thing at a time, be one place at a time. So what's my priority here? That priority is going to be the only expectation I hold for myself in that moment. Same with my children. My big red flag for myself is when I hear the inner dialogue say, should, as in he should be able to do this. He should know better. This shouldn't be so hard. The moment should enters the conversation is the moment I'm leaving the present moment and holding my child to expectations that don't fit the current conditions. Stress, stimuli, physical influences, physiological state, connection, priorities, current emotional or cognitive abilities all factor into the situation. This is why having a basic understanding of child development is so important. And I hit some helpful highlights of child development in episode two all the way back if you'd like to learn more about that. The next self-check-in is emotional bandwidth. Do you have, do I have, if we're doing a self-check-in, the emotional bandwidth to stay regulated and to weather your child's potential storm as a result of the limit? If you don't have the current emotional bandwidth to weather the storm, Is there a quick regulation tool you can use for yourself to get there? 
If the answer is no, or you are just so flooded, you can't even handle thinking through the next step. Because I mean, I've definitely been there. You could just say yes, maybe. Would it be so bad to say yes and give yourself a break? I often use this example of being on a call and my child asking for more snack. And I just want to finish the call, right? I just need to like, I've been on hold. I finally got through to someone. I just need to finish this call. In that moment, if my priority is to finish the call, I don't have the emotional bandwidth and it's not the priority to hold the boundary of no more snack. If the snack limit is my priority, then I might have to get off the phone and become fully present for that because chances are, if I say no to my child, he'll have an emotional response about it. And it'll probably be loud and disruptive to my phone call. I can't do both. Remember expectations? (laughs) As much as I'd like to do both, I can't. So I give more snack. I don't even put that limit out there. Okay, fine. Have a second helping. Finish the call. Then shift my energy, attention, emotional bandwidth to the snack situation. It's not about giving in. It's about being intentional and confident with our decisions when we make them. So next up for the me part of see me is move. (laughs) I put this in here because so often I hear adults saying, stop. I said, stop. You're not stopping. You need to stop. Stop now. We repeat ourselves over and over and over again and wonder why our child doesn't stop and why they don't take us seriously the first time. A quick recap of early childhood development includes the development of executive functions such as impulse control, regulation, stopping a task, starting a new task, shifting attention from one task to another. So it seems like a simple command of stop isn't so simple. They need help stopping. The help is us physically coming over to remove an object, block a path, hold their hand, etc. I love the analogy of shark music that Tina Payne Bryson and Dan Siegel use in their book, The Whole Brain Child, because when we move, we want to try and not activate the shark music. You know, the jaws, dun, dun, (laughs) and then it gets faster and more intense as the shark gets closer, because that's the feeling of a threat moving closer and closer to the child. We want to confidently walk up, And for the child to feel relief of, oh, thank goodness, mom's here to help. Before giving a redirection, setting a limit, or asserting a command, ask yourself, am I willing or able to move to enforce this? If it's a safety thing, then yes. Remember, that's why it's the first question. (laughs) It takes priority. If it's a huge mess that will probably spiral quickly, that may require dropping what you're doing because stopping that activity is less inconvenient than the mess that's about to happen. And because I know how exhausting this can be, I've been there, especially in situations when parents have a toddler and a baby who both need a lot of hands-on attention, being as proactive as possible to protect your sanity is key. For example, if you know you're about to start a time that is typically challenging, such as cooking dinner or feeding a baby, develop a plan, activity, or safe space for your child. 
this takes some time, trial and error, right? We got to experiment a little bit and can really be unique to each family and every family dynamic. This may be when you decide to use screen time. It could be certain tabletop activities or a special book or activity you do side by side. What works for one child may not work for another. So keep an open mind, stay curious, and view your child's behavior as feedback to make adjustments. The last E in see me stands for energy level. What's my energy level? What can I let go of? What can I do to make things easier right now? How can I become fully present in this moment? And not having energy or not having the bandwidth to say yes to something is also a very legitimate reason to say no. Or maybe you don't have the energy to say no. That could be a legitimate reason to say yes. <laughs> I'll often phrase this as, I'm going to sit and take a break for a few minutes, and then we can go on a walk. If your children are used to this idea, I find that timers, and particularly in particular visual timers, or concrete benchmarks like watch one more show, help them understand and accept this limit. And it takes practice, right? The first time you do it, your children aren't going to automatically say, okay, take your break. But I've been doing this for years and my kids totally get it, respect it, and I very rarely get pushback about it now. But I did it when I first started the practice. It's important to model meeting our own needs for our children. Saying no confidently is kinder than saying yes resentfully. So there's the proactive limit self-check-in. S-E-E-M-E, see me, safety, expectations, emotional bandwidth, move, energy. Even though I just spent a large chunk of time breaking it down for you, the more regularly you practice or make it your own, you know, you don't have to stay within the exact confines of this structure but do things that are meaningful to you. Maybe you only ask yourself three questions the first time you do it. Safety would probably be the biggest one, right? It can take as little as like 10 seconds or less to check in with yourself and help you determine, is this a limit I am willing to set, hold, and support? Or is it one I can just let go of or redirect, right? This 10-second, if that, little check-in helps us be so much more intentional and just more conscious of what we're doing and stay out of that reactive no space. The intention, confidence, and follow-through helps keep us out of the permissive parenting zone of just repeating ourselves over and over and over again, and then really not having a well-thought-out way to follow through. Again, this is one step of many for the proactive work that goes into setting limits. If we constantly find ourselves in a state of helplessness when it comes to setting limits or walking on eggshells or empty threats or reactivity, that is a huge sign that we need to spend more time doing the proactive work to feel more confident. If you'd like to learn more about proactive limit setting strategies and conflict resolution with your child, join us For this month, so March's workshop is Raising Resilient Problem Solvers. I love this workshop because I take years of teaching social-emotional concepts to children and present the information to parents so you can feel empowered to practice these skills at home. 
The workshop is happening March 15th at 12 p.m. Eastern time live, but all registered participants will receive a recording within 48 hours of the live event and all core members get automatic access to the workshop and recording. You will also receive an emotional coaching worksheet for yourself and your child to create a common family culture and system around regulation and conflict resolution. You can find the link to join in the show notes or join the core community for this resource and all the other stuff I mentioned in this podcast, like the limit setting guide. Thanks so much for being here. If this was helpful for you, please consider sharing it with a friend, leaving a review, or sharing it on social media. All of these things help the message of conscious parenting reach more people. Have a wonderful week. Take care.